in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to this week's uh, edition. Oh, I always forget. Is it edition or episode? I think it's whatever you want to be. <laughs> All right, I, don't, welcome. I don't think there's a set answer. <laughs> welcome, to everyone, to this week's episode of the Top Ten Show. I am John Roca. Uh, I am Matt Nost. I mean, we are the only two people that define what this is. Yes. So you oh, can call point. it whatever you like because okay. you're 50% of that. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, I'm just saying, you have as yeah. much right. Anybody else, meh, fuck off. <laughs> Which just because maybe your suggestion is good, a la Topic Thunder, and we love it. Yes. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, we fucking rubber stamp whatever yeah. comes across this desk. It's very, very true. It, nothing gets past it without both stamps being on it, that's for sure. Exactly. Uh, and we're doing this uh, at my place this week. Last week, we were at Matt's new... Uh, a relatively new place, which was great with all the incredible views. This is more of a laid-back situation. I don't get as many mm-hmm. uh, mountain views of the world as you do, but, uh, you know, it's all right. It's a chill place. I'm cool with it here. Yeah, but you also don't have the homeless. Oh, my God. There's a trade-off. Yes. tuned in to, uh, to listen to us count down a new list this week. And uh, this week, because Emma is coming out, uh, a remake of a Jane, the Jane Austen novel, another film remake. Of course, there was one with Gwyneth Paltrow back in the 90s. And, of course, Clueless is a loose uh, interpretation of Emma. And uh, I suppose there were another a couple other ones that have come. There out. has to be. Right, right. There's probably three BBC movie versions. Yeah, or miniseries versions. Uh-huh. Sure, sure. There's a, uh, within this choice... We should have Lindley and Catherine on because they could probably do their own separate list. Because <laughs> all those movies are off my radar. Very true. Going through and I was like, I haven't seen 75% of what Keira Knightley's done apparently in the past 10 years. <laughs> I mean, it's just one after another. Oh, I remember when that came out. I'm not watching that. Yeah. I watched a couple for this list knowing <laughs> in the build up to me like, ah, oh, maybe fill out because I, uh, you know. I have a chunk, but there's like, why not reach outside of and yeah, try yeah. and grab all these other little random things? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the atonements of the world and the whatnot did not make my list. Yeah, yeah. Some some of them made my list. Some of them didn't. I texted you. I was like, do we include World War II as period? Or And you were like, we never designated it. So I kept it as wide open as possible. Anything that's in the past, anything that's in the past and is British or English, to yeah. me, that's where I kind of uh, uh, gravitated to. Yeah, you, you could easily do... And you may have one from the 70s or 80s or mm. and call it a period because it's of, but these others specifically went back and tried to recreate. Yes. So that to me is like they're trying to bring the period to life so those rang truer. Right, right. By and large. Yeah. I saw it last night. I, I think it was a really well done film. Okay. Uh, I would say that it's a, it's a it's an independent, quietly subtle film. It's way different than the one from the 90s with Paltrow, but I still enjoyed it nonetheless. And so uh, there we go. Um, all right. Uh, do you want to tell uh, people how this thing happens, Matt? Once we set a topic, we go our individual ways and create personal top 10 lists. Show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. That was good. Um, All right. So we'll just get into this. Let's dive into this. At 10, I got Gosford Park. Uh, Okay. I haven't seen that. Or I never saw that one. So, yeah. I, I think it really gave me the... 
earliest, clearest understanding of what upstairs, downstairs was. Mm. I had seen other versions of, but this right. is such a distinct polarization, and you see the interaction and how uh, I think it's Ryan Philippi is playing a valet, but he doesn't really seem to know what he does, and it turns out that he's an actor later on. Yeah. So then there's the intrigue of the staff is now concerned that he might tell the producer that he you know, is rolling with. Right. I think it was Philippi. Uh, it is Ryan Philippi. Yeah. yeah. Um, that all the gossip that they had downstairs, because you can already see the it's the intrigue of the lives upstairs, but right. you rarely, you know, to me at least at that point, I hadn't seen many where all the fluid interactions are kind of possible. Yeah, it's like oh, that's interesting, and the back and forth of it was a you know murder mystery, not like Knives Out, but person dies and yeah. just who actually did it and you have to kind of go back through a little bit but it's just the interactions and the social strata right and i i, I enjoy those it's why when she asked me if i want to watch downtown abbey way back i was like yeah i like down upstairs downstairs yeah. as long as it's good yeah yeah yeah. because it's a, enough individuals that you can latch onto and find personal storylines so even if you're like ah this one's okay well these two three four five other over here yeah you thoroughly enjoy so they dance around so much it doesn't really matter did alban direct this one Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Kristen Scott Thomas is in it. And Clive Owen. Clive Owen, okay. Uh, is Margaret Smith in this? Uh, maybe. Um, trying to think who else. Let's see. There's a number of people. I know there's a number yeah, of people. because It's, it's, it's like, a huge cast. Essentially a who's who of English at the time. Early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, Maggie Smith, uh, Michael Gambone's in this thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Charles Dance. Wow. Yeah, Jeremy Northam was kind of... Bob Balaban's in this thing for some insane reason. Hell yeah. <laughs> Stephen Fry, of course. Kelly McDonald, Clive Owen. Helen Mirren's in this. Wow. Emily Watson. All right, my bad, dude. I guess I should watch this. Jesus Christ. Richard E. Grant. Yeah, Tom Hollander. Wow. Look at all these people. All right, maybe I should watch it. All right, yeah. fair point. It's 10 because I haven't seen it. In a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all these others I have seen or seen a few times. And since I saw that last one, I was like, I know I like that one. Right. And of all the possible options, Upstairs Downstairs is a British invention to me. Yeah. Could have been something outside of that, but I only know it through them. So it's like, I like that convention as a storytelling element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so nine for me is uh, Stan and Ollie. Oh, great choice, man. It's I like that movie. Surprisingly good. Yes, yes. Um, about Laurel and Hardy. Mm-hmm. And it's John C. Riley and Steve Coogan. Yes, Steve Coogan. And it starts with them in Hollywood and just like, it, you know, they're talking about their last picture and they're having a contract negotiation in essence. Yeah. And it ends up that they split up. So the movie jumps to 16 years later when they're going back on the road and they're going to, they're trying to line up funding for uh, shooting a new movie, mm-hmm. a Robin Hood uh, takeoff. But it's the interactions between the two of them. And I was so engaged when they go for the same types of laughs within the reality of the movie of them just interacting. Like they're yeah. going up some stairs with a big steamer trunk and they get to the top and you can see the joke coming and it's still so perfectly executed and it's a gorgeous nod yeah. to the original style. And it's just the amount of care that went into that. And it still got me to laugh watching their routine. Yeah. Like not die laughing, but just like smile and a little chuckle to myself mm-hmm. that it still has the effect all these years later. They really brought those two individuals to life and you could, in the end... Uh, they're like on this ship over to Ireland. Yeah. And the whole, the basically they just come to the realization between the two of them of what their friendship is and yeah. what it's meant and the, the trials and tribulations that they went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when there was Oscar buzz for them. I saw it afterwards. Yeah. Like after award season. It seems deserved. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If any one of them could have, were nominated, it would have been fine. I thought they both did incredible work. And Coogan, 
you know, when he does drama, he's actually damn good at it. Well, in my head, of the two to get nominated, I would have nominated Coogan. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Nothing against Riley. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, he does a nice job. He wears the fat suit, obviously, to be uh, uh, Stan Laurel. And uh, I think, is it? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so... Hardy, no, 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 he's Oliver Hardy, Ollie. Right, oh, sorry, Hardy, yeah, yeah, Oliver Hardy. He's big, like, but it all works. And then the stuff with the wives is very interesting too, mm-hmm. like the different dynamics in their relationships and how each one is like, you know, trying to support her husband as he has his feelings about the other one, that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, it's so interesting to watch. And you know, and yeah, they have their issues, they have their things. He's like, you're pushing me, but we got to do this, we got to do that. And then like, where it all comes down to, and yeah, that eventually they have that moment on the ship, and you're just like, yeah, that's what happens after a while. It's just that kind of thing. You're when you're tied to someone, I. Imagine Imagine for like 30 or 40 years, there's so much that gets, uh, you know, kind of glossed over and you have the occasional spikes and then back to figuring out, well, in the long run, it was better that mm-hmm. we were able to do that together, you know, so and you see that in the film. I love that. And the on the boat. Well, I guess I won't say that part because it, you know, go see it. It's not yeah. like a spoiler or anything, but right. it helps you with the understanding of the arc where they close out. Yeah. So I don't want to take that away from anybody. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's got a nice build. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see the backstory on because I watch the Stooges and Abbott Costello occasionally. Okay, Laurel and Hardy. Okay, occasionally. Um, yeah, but mine were you know the other two, right? Uh, and I watched a ton of those, and I've seen you know Chaplin and Buster Keaton, right? But from this, like, I didn't know that uh, uh, Laurel was in a team with Chaplin for yeah. a short time. Yeah, that's I had no idea. He's, yeah. he's a singular entity to me. Um, I think he's in the Chaplin movie, a character. I think Stan Laurel is in the Chaplin movie early oh, the on. the Downey? Yeah, the Downey Jr. one, like oh, early God. on. I, so, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, no, no, don't trust me. I get that at yeah. all. I but I, I do like that this is a film that deals with them later, right? It's not their ascent to stardom. It's, no. It's right on the tail end of their stardom and, you know, trying to resuscitate it a little bit one more time. And They're playing for... Not sold out theaters, so it's like that transition back into where they started, which mm-hmm. is the build up. You know what I'm saying, and so all of that was fun to see because what it asks of them, how it tests them as performers, that kind of stuff. So I thought that was very interesting because how many? I mean, so many great performers uh, just die out. It just dies out the uh, after after a while. Yeah. You know, even nowadays we the see vast majority. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, vast majority. Very few were Elton John. Boom. Where you see him at the Oscars, right? Forty years after he became, yeah, you know, popular, and he's still Elton John. Like that's a rarity. Yeah, you don't often get that within entertainment. Yeah, it's you know, true. Tom Cruise, right? How many people have been able to do what Tom Cruise has done for this long? Yeah, because uh, like Will Smith's hitting a rough patch. Yeah, and if he doesn't start to have a more consistent, then it's gonna the tier of how much people are willing to invest in his projects is gonna start to drop. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, that's gonna be a weird day when he doesn't be able to like command right. doing a top budget movie. I'm sure, I'm sure it happens with stand ups all the time too. They hit that kind of peak and then they start to slowly come back down again, and then you're just playing, you know, you're being in a lineup of people yeah. and things of that nature. Very so few get all to the do time. the Carlin. Yeah. Right. Where you're right. sold out in theaters for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. For as long as you're willing to perform, yeah. You know, Don Rickles, when I saw him, you know, he's a like a year from passing away, mm-hmm. and sold out a nice fifteen hundred, two thousand seater, right? And it was here in L.A., so he just drove down. It's uh, it's on Melrose. I can't remember. I can look it up and tell you afterwards. Uh-huh. But I'm sure he's got a place in Beverly Hills or Malibu, right? And he just drove down and got to do a nice two thousand seater and yeah. just drive home. And just drive home. <laughs> 
That's, that's pretty fucking sweet. That's the life, man. Yeah, it is. That's where you want to get to, for sure. Uh, um, all right, what's your number eight? My number eight is The Phantom Thread. Oh, wow. Oh, good. You, you put some really good choices on here, man. All right. I like Phantom Thread. Great choice. So do I. And it doesn't get to make piece. a list all that often. It's it doesn't. like the second list it's ever made of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. Until we get to a Paul Thomas uh, show. Yeah. And then eventually, hey, sure. You know, does he have 10 yet? He doesn't have 10 yet. Uh, no, I don't think he's got 10 yet. No. No. He takes his sweet ass time. He does. We got this. Let's see. There will be blood, boogie nights, magnolia. Yeah. Uh, he's what? definitely under 10. Punch drunk love. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The master. Uh, the master. Yeah. One. Um, uh, yeah. Inherent Vice. Yeah, Inherent Vice. Which was terrible, in my opinion, 4-5. Yeah. He's not quite there. No, he's not. Magnolia, 6. Boogie Night, 7. And then Heart 8, 8. So, yeah, he's around 8. So, with a bunch of music videos thrown in in between. One day. Yeah. One day. One day down the road. There will be. Uh, Phantom Thread is about mid, I want to say like the 40s or 50s, Mm -hmm. something like that, in London, and it's a guy that has his own fashion house. Yeah. Legitimately, I guess that's where the term comes from. It's a house structure, and all the workers, you know, live there and work there, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And they're making these uh, dresses, and it's a guy that's very... He has his world structured precisely as he needs it, mm-hmm. and he has these uh, women float in and out of his life, and they're basically his, his spark. Yeah. And then once he kind of, uh, you know... That spark fades, then he just cuts them off and moves on, and this new one flows in, and she disrupts everything, and just to see this well-ordered world kind of go chaotic, but within the chaos, he understood the order, and it helped him grow coming out of it. I know a lot of people, when they see uh, Anderson's movies, they're like, well, what was the point? It's like, I don't know. I like the snapshot. Yeah. But then in other directors, I'm not as... You know, drawn yeah. to. I think there's a way to do it. And once you realize what kind of director he is, you know what you're getting into when you walk through the door. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, let's see what he can do with this story, right? That's yeah. An, and yeah, you're right. This is a snapshot of this dude's life. Um, I love the ending. I love the smirk on his face at the ending. Uh, it is brilliant. I mean, because everything's been building to that smirk. Every single thing in that movie leads to that moment of understanding between the two of them. And that, and it was like this guy is so difficult to be with and to date. He has he's used to lording over his land. Yes, and finally, someone has come along who had to learn how to like get through to him for the exchange of being with him. Mm-hmm. And in, it's such an extreme thing that she does that you're just like, oh my god! And also this game that they have to play, you know. The vehicle with which he does it yeah. is something that he loves. Yes, exactly. So then making him to, I guess, reject what he previously loved and latch on to her as right. he's wallowing in his sickbed. Yeah. And once you, like, that somehow is a dynamic that clicked. You're like, wow, what an interesting little fucking world. Yeah. This is. That's why I get why people uh, complain about it or call it pretentious or say it didn't work for them. I get it. It's, it's such a distinct film. It's pretentious yes, because it's a world about pretension. Yes. It's a world that is utterly made up in that fashion is whatever the fuck you want it to yeah, be. Yeah. 
And he walks around like looking down on. Doesn't he have like a royal in there yes. for a dress fitting and whatnot? And yeah, she wanted kind of bucks yeah. what he wants. And him like talking down to her. He knows right precisely what this organic to him thing is. Yeah, and whatnot. It's all fucking pretentious. So of course <laughs> this movie's pretentious. But it's pretentious in the best way. Yes, because it, these because it's Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, and you get of course uh, Vicky Cripps, who's fantastic as the the love interest, and then uh, uh, Leslie Manville was great as well mm. as a sister man she was so powerful in a lot of those scenes so yeah you need that kind of cast in order to make this not feel like it's people putting on the pretentious you need people that can actually convey it in a way that's connectable or understandable you know yeah so yeah that's a great choice man absolutely great choice uh what you got all right so my number 10 um uh, if i've got this right is all is true uh, which is a recent Brana film that came out. Oh, the Shakespeare yeah, one? Yeah, the Shakespeare That one. was one of the ones I thought about watching. Yeah, I really liked it. I saw okay. it on the plane back from Australia, um, and then I rewatched it again because I wanted to watch it without the distractions of a plane. Okay. Uh, and it, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is a dark rumination on at the end of Shakespeare's life about all the mistakes he made uh, at home in order to be able to achieve all the successes he did in his life and that what that uh, kind of negligence has done to his family. Of course. And still poetic, still um, caught up in observing the world and the and the nature of the world and all mm-hmm. of that while at the same time trying to, trying to be like, well, what am I now? What am I doing now, right? This idea yeah. of retirement. Uh, what can I become and trying to repair the relationships of the people he had ignored or cheated on or pushed away because of his pursuit of success there in London. Because in his mind, he thought he was doing all this and that they would be like so grateful to him. Yeah. But when he comes home, when he comes back to live again in that in Stratford, he realizes that they're all extremely pissed at him and that the world goes on. Um, it's so great. It's so quietly great okay. and, and I'm, I, I, it's a shame to me that not enough people went to see it and I kicked myself in the ass that I didn't go see this when Brana was here doing a Q&A with Mance at the Landmark uh, oh, okay. for it yeah I felt super fucking terrible that I couldn't make it out that night because I had other plans and when I heard about it I was like I can't change these plans but man I really wanted to see Brana talk about it because I mean there's no combination of me that I love more than Brana and Shakespeare so to see him playing Shakespeare which is Makes so much sense that Brock's oh, hubris would lead to him playing Shakespeare. Well, who else could pull off the bard? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Brana. Exactly. Yeah, but Brana. A guy that <laughs> I have to assume is pretentious. Oh, yeah. Have to assume. Oh, sure. And it's no, I, I, I mean that if possible in the Stephen A. Smith way. No disrespect. We're both grown men. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but he has, I mean, there's just no way. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure he's a lovely guy. The people that actually know him, um, there's no way he couldn't be. Right. But uh, he's very, I mean, his ego is strong. Yeah. To achieve what he's achieved. You can see it from afar. Yep. Across exactly. 5,000 miles. We can <laughs> see it the that across the ocean and the entire continent of this country. 
You can see it across that horizon. It's very true. It's yeah. very true. Yeah, that's why I like watching Wallander because it's one of those rare things that he does where he's super vulnerable the whole time. Mm-hmm. Even though he thinks he knows what's happening, he's always being caught out like half a step behind or a step behind, and he's always trying to figure shit out as he goes along. It's a rare role that Brana plays, so I always enjoy him playing that kind of stuff. But yeah, all this is really good. If no one's seen it, if you haven't seen it, give it a chance. It's what, an hour and 45, hour and 50. Sure. Not that long of a film. Ian McCollum has a great scene where he comes in as a former uh ro- a former uh lord from that time who who Shakespeare might or might not have had a sexual relationship with. Okay. So I was like, "Oh, it's so interesting to throw that in there uh and then have his wife confront him about those sonnets that everyone has said sounds like he's writing it to a man and a woman and so that kind of stuff." So mm-hmm. anyway, very interesting stuff. Uh number 9 uh for me is uh Pride and Prejudice, the uh Okay. the, the Keira Knightley one, right? Not on my list. <laughs> yeah, right. It's part of that 10-year gap. <laughs> Yeah, I saw this on a date. It was, this was a date. This was go like, let's go see it. It's a British film. Why not? And you know, it, it, I enjoy it. It's a fun, it's a it's certainly the be- one of the best things that Kira's ever done. I'm not always the biggest fan of Kira Knightley, but I do enjoy her in this. I do enjoy the subtlety that that, okay. is per- that permeates the entire movie for this to tell this story. You know, I, I enjoyed that uh, very much, and and what the uh, what she's able to accomplish with it. And uh, then, and the direction of the film. If I God, who directed this thing again? I think it's Jillian uh, Armstrong, but I'm not sure. I should have looked it up before we started talking. My apologies. Uh, not a problem. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Matthew McFadden's in this thing. Who's great on Ripper Street? Uh, Joe Wright, who also did Atonement. Who's he on Ripper? He's the main guy in Ripper Street. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's in this thing. Brenda Blethyn, Donald Sutherland, a lot of people in this thing. Rosamund, a young Rosamund Pike is in this. And of course, the idea of Mr. Darcy, all that kind of... Of course, everybody loves Colin Firth's Mr. Darcy, but I kind of enjoyed Matthew McFadden, a kind of young Matthew McFadden doing this kind of stuff. So overall, like I said, overall, uh, interesting film. Okay. Joe Wright does a nice job adapting it so it doesn't feel like it's, oh, we're talking like this and everything is so... It's more a matter of like, it's more... Uh, 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 gutsier, I guess I would say. So that's okay. what I think. Still uh, won't see it. <laughs> no, I totally understand. Uh, some people dig it, some people don't. Uh, my number eight then is Elizabeth. Okay, I watched that for this. Yeah, bored to tears. Really bored to tears, and it's okay. everything I love. And yeah, I was bored out of my mind. Okay, fair enough. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, it has all the underpinnings. You were of- looking forward to it. You're yes. Like, oh, this is going to be great. Well, because yeah. we had talked about doing another show, and I was like, I should really see Elizabeth because it's perfect for this. And you agreed, yeah. so we held off doing that theme. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and I watched it, and I was like, dude. <laughs> I liked it at the very end, the transition yeah. when she's like, "I'm married to this country." Oh yeah, great. That's what I want to see. It's all the turmoil leading up, and like mm-hmm. Richard Attenborough was really mediocre. Mm. And he was drawing me out of, and uh, I, I don't know the the, the Fines kid was oh, yeah. good, but at the same time, like I didn't believe his character could do this. Right, I right. could see the chemistry that he had with Kate Blanchett as Elizabeth, mm-hmm. but I didn't believe that this individual, the way he was portraying it, yeah. and the French guy was weird. Is that shit true? The French prince? Yeah. Or, or Duke or yeah. whatever he was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, they took a little bit of liberties, I imagine. Okay, yes, have to. Yeah, right. Like, when you walk in and he's in the dress. I mean, if Vinnie Jones is in this thing, I mean, you know they're taking some liberties, so yeah. Was, what is Vinnie Jones in? Is it, is it Vinnie Jones in this one, in, in Elizabeth? I mean, the closest I can think of would be the French guy that is in the intermediary, basically like... A, a, oh, no, no, that's Cantona. That's Eric yeah, it's Cantona. Totally, something totally he's different. a soccer star. If Eric Cantona... He looks, he looks big. Yeah, he's big. 
Uh, and he's a he's a uh, uh, that was his, like one of his first ever. He's not bad. And last ever films he's ever done. He's, he's not bad. Dude. Yeah, I, I liked I liked it because I like her per- performance. That's what carries it for me. I think Kate Blanchett is fantastic in the movie. She is, and she was nominated for the Oscar, and they gave it to Gwyneth Paltrow instead. Um, but I thought she was great in the film. And and you're right, it's not a, a, a fantastically awesome film. Well, the the ratings though. And you're, yep. you know, one of, a, uh, I know a couple other people who we have roughly the same taste in mm. music. Like there are anomalies within it, but at yeah. the same time, just like we both can spot a good movie. Right. And they are big fans. Mm. So I was going into it. I loved her and Jeffrey Rush. And I yeah, wanted Jeffrey way Rush more Dr- Jeffrey Rush. Yeah. Because he was great as this kind of uber spy yeah, yeah, yeah. type of thing. Scheme that was around. super interesting. And the guy that was the head of court that was trying to challenge her ultimately but gets cut down because of the Catholic Church. Daniel Craig looks weird Yeah, with a bowl cut. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the whole papal interjection like could have been interesting, but it was, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it just... Didn't have enough teeth for you, I imagine. It, I, yeah, I don't think so. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, I enjoy it for the for what the, the costume design is incredible in the film. Yep. I think she like I said she's incredible in the film. I like um the the lunacy of Samantha Morton as Mary Queen of Scots, all of that rolling through mm-hmm. it. Um and then uh you know her being courted by uh Joseph Fiennes and then what then the twist on that how it all plays out in that she just has this journey because the whole film is her journey, right, of accepting being the queen. Well, trying Full. to figure out what that means. Yeah, exactly. What she's what she needs to do in order to fully embrace it, right? That there's something bigger than her mm-hmm. and that she can't be held down by the simple morality of people who are not going to be rulers, right? There's a, a journey she has to go on and make some tough decisions yeah. uh, when she does so that she can embrace being a, well, a monarch. Because left and right, she gets told, you know, that's all well and good, but you're not a man. Right, right. Like, f- I mean, eventually she has to just go, F you. Right. I'm the queen. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I love. Yeah. I did love the little scene where she's having trouble with the bishops, and she locks the six guys that are leading the opposition against her. Jeffrey Rush locks mm-hmm. them in a basement, so she wins the argument in the room right. with the other hundred and whatever. It looks like 150 people. Yeah, yeah. And it ends up like she won by six votes because he knew they knew <laughs> they need to get those people out. I was like, I really hope that's true. That's awesome. I love that. There are moments within the story. I'm like, this is gorgeous. Right. And then it gets out of like when the French woman goes onto the battlefield to give the little kid is dying yeah. her her sigil or whatever it is to, to go back and I was like this, you could cut all this shit out <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a flying fuck yeah. you're already showing me I, you know yeah. If don't show me the aftermath either show me the battle or show me them like, in essence what they do in, in Braveheart show back up with a head in the box yeah 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 that's more than enough but I don't really see this Spare this one life. Right. Child who you could be mortally wounded. I have no idea. Right. Do this for me. And you're like, this makes no sense. But <laughs> at the same time, they're making up a lot of this, so I really can't fault them. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your number seven? Seven is the prestige. Oh, nice. True. You went for these interesting choices. All right, cool. I was trying to go all over the map because yeah. period covers, Yeah. technically... It's a wide swath. I was hoping we could talk about all kinds of movies we don't really get to talk yeah, about. Yeah, that's fair. Totally. Because... All choices on some level are valid yes. in this one. Yeah. You could do war movies only. Yeah, true. Very true. Um, anyway, so for uh, Prestige, <laughs> so it was the uh, two magic movie or two movie magician in one year type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which one are you going to gravitate towards? I saw both, but this one has been the clear winner ever since. Right. Great performance from Tom Hardy and Hugh Jackman. What, David Bowie is, is Tesla? 
Yes. Uh, and it takes what on the face of it looks like a really simple movie and then turns it into this dark philosophical question by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Which did not see coming. And it just kind of further cemented enjoying Chris Nolan films. Mm-hmm. It's like he keeps churning out like all these little interesting projects left and right. And now it's why Tenet I'm geeked about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That plus, you know, uh, Villeneuve's Dune. I I didn't like the first one. Right. But everybody, you know, those that love it adore this property. Yeah. So you could do something really good, I guess, with it. It's hypothetically possible. Yeah. Uh, if you can do it with King, I'm sure you can do it with this author. Um. So, yeah, but within that, just the, I mean, the ending when he's in that water. Yeah. And you're like, what is this worth to you? Right. Do you live on? That person's a facsimile of you. Yeah. But it's not you. It's a good question, man. It is. So what is this worth to you? (laughs) The glory in that moment that you're only going to experience from below the stage, what, momentarily? Right. Uh, And the fact that somehow... You did it behind your own back because he's, or or was it more so that we, he was just accepting of it, but he looked in shock yeah. that I think, you know, the first time he goes in, it's like, man, it's fucking brutal when Tom Hardy's is just like, I got a twin. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> why, how else is there to do it? I got a twin. <laughs> of course he has a twin. He's a fucking magician. There is no magic. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Such a, just a great little twist. Yeah. And then the other one was the Ed Norton, Paul Giamatti. Yeah, the illusionist. Jessica Biel, the illusionist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it once. I literally couldn't tell you what it's about. Mm. I haven't seen it since. Yep. I saw it once and I was like, yep, yeah, nope, not I even I don't close. remember. Is, is Giamatti like a, a inspector? Yeah, I think so. Trying to figure it all Something, out. Yeah. That's all I really remember. Right. Norton's the magician. You're dealing with lower, it's a lower, in comparison, it's a lower situation, isn't it? Like you're. It's a lower director than than uh, uh, Nolan. It's a lower main actor than Hugh Jackman or Chris, Christian Bale. I like it's, Ed Norton and Giamatti. I, I think like, they could do it. Yeah, but I still think uh, he's a lesser in status. And well, then Scarlet versus Jessica Biel is no contest. Well, but because Nolan decided to take it to if magic was real, yeah. and this is the only like kind of outcome if you had this, with Tesla coming into it, what a great little totally, character choice. Totally. Whereas the other one, if memory serves, it's more like, you know, meat and potatoes type of movie. Yeah, it it just happens to have a magician. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's it's intrigue, different. but ultimately, it's he's a fucking magician. larger, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this one's like, well, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and it leaves you pondering. Yeah. Uh, By the way, there's a great documentary on uh, PBS about Tesla. It's uh, I think it's on, under the American Masters series. Mm-hmm. It's an hour and a half. Fucking fantastic. Probably doesn't even come close to scratching the surface. Probably. I was just so blown away about so much already that I watched and learned that I didn't know about with him. He was like, this guy had ideas for days. Exactly. Man. And was one of those geniuses that was self-destructive, constantly undercutting his abilities to do things or to and, succeed doing you know, things. Getting screwed over. Sure, sure. But by put, Edison. But but being put in a position to allow himself to be screwed over because it was smart enough to think ahead and get everything protected. That's another part of it, too, that's very interesting to watch with Tesla. So... I get it, but I also get that you have to take responsibility for your shit, too. I mean, I, I don't, I'm just saying my personal opinion. And it's also the difference, too, of uh, someone that was from this country with technology versus totally. a foreign individual who's coming here. And there's a lot of, like, yes, we have open borders, but at the same time, like, what are you, Irish? What are you this? What yeah. are you other? There's still a strata within that. Yeah. So it's like, well, who's this guy? 
you know, <laughs> who's this guy? Yeah, who's this guy? Like he's got ideas and stuff, but Edison, Edison's already got the infrastructure. He's already a name, right? Type of established. Right, right. He's proven to me this magic that he can do. I'm gonna buy into Edison. Yeah. Uh, and just looking back, now we're more open to abstract ideas. I think like that when it comes to technology. True. True. Well, predicting the smartphone, predicting, yeah. you know, the, I believe the internet, predicting wireless energy. I know he tried to do that. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. What's your number six? Six is uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, man. You're just picking these great ones, dude. I, I guess I just, uh, I, I'll just have to s- sit in the background, man. Go ahead. There's another, I'm, you Mine know. are so completely different, man. But I, yeah, like outside of Pride and Prejudice, the other one I almost watched, the Kenneth yeah, Branagh. You did, you did almost watch it. And then what was your other choice? Uh, that, uh, so far escapes me um, uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth which yeah which wasn't my cup of tea but right. I can understand right so it's not like you've made I guess I was mentally just trying to adhere more to that kind of like vibe of it all but I get it like it's a great choice I'm just mad I didn't, I didn't pick those go ahead Tigger Taylor Soldier Spy uh, dope movie awesome cast you should see it <laughs> dope it is a dope movie that should be on the poster it's, dope movie awesome well it's, cast. it's it's is that a Lacar or a Lacare yeah Lacare yeah uh, who's I've only read one of his books. Mm-hmm. Um, not my cup of tea. I enjoy it, but it was just like, ah, I'd rather read something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I like those movies. Uh, it could be one of the more realistic spy movies Yes, that you're ever going to see. Mm-hmm. They got a mole in British intelligence, and they need to figure out where it's coming from. They got to flush him out. Yeah, and they yep. have to go outside the agency to Oldman, who they let go, and he comes back in to run the investigation. Yep. And it's impressive to where how he pieces it all together and he finds the subtle clues that he'd been overlooking throughout the previous years yeah. to give you the nod to who ultimately it is and like how other characters like mark strong how he played into all of it yeah yeah uh and stellar cast old men mm-hmm. and colin firth toby jones uh shit i'm gonna have to look up there's oh but, yeah uh what old man uh, tom hardy's in this thing uh he has oh a, that's right yeah. yeah he's a young guy that's over at the apartment um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was overseas. John Hurt. John Hurt is in this. Right. I don't. I don't think Ian McKellen's in this thing. But he's like one of the rare people that are not. No, he's not in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. An Cumberbatch. early That's Cumberbatch. Right. That's right. Man. Yeah. That he is like the young kid yes. that Oldman tries to bring in. Right. Gets, so that's those moments where it's like, oh, oh, get away with this dude. Get away with this dude. Like, get in, get out. Get in, get out. Uh, but it's believable. That kind of tension. The stakes. Mm-hmm are real because they're so modest. He's doing what seems to be innocuous to the outside eye as yeah. best he can. It's And it's paced in a way that, like, either you're in or you're out. Because it is yeah. it is very slow-paced. It has to be. But Lacare's uh, books are all this slow-paced. Like, um, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, the Richard Burton one, takes its sweet-ass time getting mm-hmm. to where it's going. But that's what, how Lacare writes. Uh, the Russia House, the one with uh, Sean Connery and sure. Michelle Pfeiffer. A lot of people, I remember the reviews, people complained at the time, not enough action. Yeah, Lacare's films are not action. They're not. I'm little Drummer Girl is kind of that exception, but most of the time it's not that much action. But if it's going to be a true spy movie, yeah. that's what spies, exactly. by my understanding, is. It's all behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Their point is not to make noise. <laughs> right, not to it's get... the entire attention. fucking point of exactly. this you know, entity's existence. Yeah. So it's going to make a quieter film. Yeah. That's fine. You have to get sucked into the intrigue of who is it. Mm-hmm. And you're pointing the finger and trying to figure out what you know what's up and what's down. Right, right. Uh, hey, I enjoyed his pieces. That's yeah, good. 
I loved it. And the timing is the time that it's set is perfect. And the way everyone's reacting to things, you know, cause you are just, you're brought along and then you're like, you're like, who, well, who could it be? Who is control? Who is control? All this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you sound point. And then when you find it out, it's almost, and when you find out the truth, you're, it's not a letdown necessarily, but it's more like, ah, damn him. Really? Yeah. And you're just like, Shit. and then you see it and he gives his rationale yeah. as to how, he got Oldman off his game right. for so long, and you're like, dude, what a good... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good mold. This is great writing. Yeah. This is so utterly believable. Yeah. Uh, and you almost feel bad for him. Almost. You almost. And you understand his rationale. Right. But, yeah. eh, you know, yeah, we've been ride or die with Oldman since uh, the opening scene. So exactly. Exactly. You went against my boy. <laughs> you can't go with my boy. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was your number six? That was my six. Great, man. Uh, my number seven is The King. I thought about it. Oh, it's so good. It is good. Damn, it's good. And it was theatrically released for a little bit of time because they were trying to get it some Oscar consideration. I assume. Netflix did. Um, but this is... Dude, I've seen it three times now. Have you? Okay, I've only oh, seen it yeah. the once, but I was like, this is... I liked Outlaw King. Yeah, Outlaw King was good. It was good. Yeah. And Chris Pine, I hope you get another shot at something like that because you were good in it. And all the sure. other actors were too. Just didn't have the emotional oomph. Like that final battle was anticlimactic. Yes, agreed. I totally agreed. And that's where I think it ultimately killed the momentum of where it was going for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the king, his interaction with the French princess, when she was like, it's all illegitimate. Yeah. And you're like, eh, she's not wrong. Right. But when he goes back down to that advisor, and the advisor's like, "I got you what I w- what you wanted, didn't I?" Yeah. Ultimately, <laughs> in the lead up into the like, how much was it? The question he asked, "How many sheep do you have?" Right. To get into the idea of land and how you stand to profit and gain from what has just previously happened. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Just gorgeous. That's what I liked about the movie. It is so well directed, and it feels very real. Like mm-hmm. what it must have been like. I think Pattinson is fantastic as the Dauphin. So did I. I didn't yeah, right. understand why people were against him on it. Oh, no, it's crazy. He's so good at it. Yeah, he is. And uh, Chalamet, I think, does a great job. as a very unusual casting for Henry V. Mm-hmm. Yet when you see the pictures of Henry V, Chalamet with that bull haircut comes close. And so you're just like, wow. Well, certainly closer than Brana or anybody else who's played him. And Edgerton is a real-life Falstaff? Yeah. A oh, legitimate Falstaff? Damn, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is interesting as shit. Yeah. And when he's like, I have to be on that front line. Mm-hmm. I have to be because throughout he's like he's an advisor, but it's a new world to him. Right. So you as an audience can't tell, did he bullshit his way into this or does he actually know what he's talking exactly. about? Exactly. And when it pays, when you see the result of that question, right? that's when I think Chalamet becomes because the rage that he has yep. is utterly believable when he takes on Pattinson. The entire, the precept of, of what they built this day upon yeah. and their strategy versus the hubris of Robert Pattinson, it's just right. it's beautifully. But I really thought about. It. I need to see it again. Yeah, dude. I, I, I uh, honestly, it's three times. I can't stop watching it because, like, I love Henry V as a story. It's my favorite Shakespeare play. Period. And the the Brana interpretation is great. I love the Olivier one too. I like the Olivier one. I should say, but this one is a great kind of like. It's not obviously it's not the play, but it's the characters. And so you're like in there, and you're just like in the muck of it all. And I loved it because what you said, the scenes of political conversation mm-hmm. uh, are very well written and sparse there's not a lot of flowery bullshit going no. on it's sparse it's to the point it's cutting it's incisive and you're just like wow this is kind of an intelligent approach and yes that is the baddest baddest ass false staff i've ever seen oh there's never been right all the others are he's an old man recounting and being drunk exactly 
and you don't see right. what that actually could have been. Mm-hmm. How the brutality of war changed him into this, yeah. and how confident he is about what he's talking about. Yeah, knows what he's, wants to give him when he pitches his idea, you hear it as a modern individual, yes. and you're like, he's, he's correct. Yes. His assessment of this situation is correct. Yep. You may uh, not like it, but he's right. You may not like it, and I don't know the outcome of this, ba- technically I do, but even if right. I didn't know the outcome, if having the, the reduced forces that you have, you have to figure out some sort of advantage. Mm-hmm. It's the old Sun Tzu, make their strength a weakness. Right. So, yeah, you got numbers, you got armor, you got all the rest of it, horses. How do we take that out of the equation as best we can? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's fucking fascinating, man. Agreed. I love any of that where you can see the distillation of thought mm-hmm. of a complex idea in, in battle like that, battle strategy. Yeah. And just like, dude, false. That's, <laughs> he's got a point. Guys, he's got a fucking point. You're going to lose an open battle. Take his idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Truth. Uh, my number six to, is uh, Her Majesty Mrs. Brown or Mrs. Brown. I haven't seen it. It's always really. Good. Oh, it's so good. Well, how do you not love Judy Dench? Exactly. And then how do you not like uh, Billy? Uh, Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly. Yeah, I've always liked Billy Connolly. I don't, it's just one of those I haven't seen. Yeah, yeah, understood, man. It's like Gosford Fox. One of those just, just haven't seen. Yeah, this one. It's it's. I've seen it maybe. Hey, he's a restaurant. Oh yeah, sure, sure. All right, uh, I'll see it. May I've seen it maybe three or four times. Really enjoyed it for what it was. Love the interaction between Connolly and uh, uh, Judy Dench. They're so funny and perfect in the film. And, of course, it never loses the stakes of what they're trying to address, which is her uh, reign as the queen and then her relationship with this guy and then how it rankles the court and messes with everybody. I love that. And Billy Connolly is such an unusual choice for a role like this. And I remember when it was first announced and it came out, like the first time I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this is so great because I enjoyed Billy Connolly and his stand-ups. Billy Connolly, when he was on Head of the Class and we did other things, really enjoyed it. I always wanted him to have more of a footprint. And of course, he's great in Last Samurai as well. So you wanted to see him like do a little bit more. And then this is when Judy Dench is coming off the Shakespeare in Love stuff. So she's like becoming like the actress du jour to use for these kinds of roles. So both of them in their chemistry and what they experience and go through and do, I think it's fantastic. So for me, if you haven't seen Mrs. Brown, I think it's it's called Her Majesty Mrs. Brown internationally, but it's Mrs. Brown, I think, here in the States. It is a damn good movie, and uh, Nost, you should, you should see it sometime. <laughs> I definitely should, because Billy Connolly's so rarely in movies. Yeah. And uh, and he's always good when he's in them. He is. My introduction to him was when he took over on Head of the Class. Right, exactly. And I liked him infinitely more than the guy from WKRP. Yeah, Howard Hessman. Yeah, Howard yeah, Hessman. Yeah. Hessman was fine. I yeah, liked him. Sure. But Connolly came in. He just has this likability spark. He has a warmth and a charm. He him. really does. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes just they have it. Yeah. Whatever it is, you can clearly see it from a mile away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a blind spot. Um, all right. So that, what's your number five? Well, before we get to my five, why don't we take a quick break and hear this word from our sponsor? (laughs) All right. Well, that was great. What a a great words from our sponsors. That was great. Always love them supporting the show and love you all supporting our sponsors who support the show and supporting the show as well. Uh, All right, Matt, we left off at your number five. My five is the favorite. Oh, that's a punt. Okay. Wow. Finally, something that I know. Eventually we got to it. Yeah, we did. Uh, My number five is Remains of the Day. Another one I haven't seen. I thought about really? it. Really? Oh, man. I can't. Well, oh, go ahead. It looked depressing when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So it stayed in my head like that for a long time. And mm-hmm. now that I'm older, 
I could easily watch something like this. Yeah. It piques my interest, but it just, I don't know. I never think of it. Mm-hmm. And when it came up on doing a search of what am I missing type of thing, yeah, I was like, ah, oh, that's one I should see. This is one that uh, the first time I saw it just struck so many chords in me. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the, uh, the uh, acting by Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson and their chemistry and the story about this repressed butler who is so sworn to duty that he uh, misses out on other things in his world, around his world, because he is so just chained to what he has to do. And everyone else, including the people he serves, try to get him to break out of this pattern of being this construct, this social construct of a butler. Sure. And, and, and the limits that a butler's job entails. And of course, he's like, uh, the head of the house. So he's telling people what to do. He's firing people. He's scolding people, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But Emma Thompson comes and her character kind of breaks through to him. And for the first time ever, I would imagine, he has feelings for someone and he doesn't know what to do with it. So he's even okay. more insanely like aloof and distant and pushing her away. Um, even when she puts it on the table, how she feels. And there's this great moment where she finally gets through to him and he reaches like a finger out to try to touch her, but she doesn't notice it and, and moves away. And in that moment, you see like, oh my God, that you finally took you an hour and a half to finally get to that moment and it's missed and it's missed. So as he's older in life, he wants to go kind of like- Oh, he laments. Yeah, and so he wants to go repair the situation. So the movie is juxtaposed with flashbacks okay. and him like on this journey. To go find her again. And so it's just fascinating, uh, the film. And you're right. It's, it's like two hours and 20 minutes. It's not a short film. It is certainly depressing in a lot of places because of his um, adherence to duty. But the repressed still performances of of Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson in those moments of saying what – of not saying what they want to say – is just incredible acting, man, on so many levels. So uh, I can't recommend it enough if you haven't seen it. Um, right. You know what? I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Oh. I had typed the favorite twice, and I okay. I forgot to put in the movie that I intended to put there at five. At five? The okay. favorite is up higher on my list, technically. Okay. okay. My five is Master and Commander. <laughs> okay. Uh, I stayed away from that one. All right. That was a stretch to me, but I was like, yeah. you know what? This is a period. There's a, you know, certainly a period piece. Well, it's a period certainly within British. English history. Yep, certainly English. That they were dominant on the seas, and that's how they controlled their empire. And it's where we get the phrase, "The sun never sets on the English Empire," right? Because they legitimately can make that claim, and it'd be tough to find a country that they didn't have some sort of dominance over, possession of, yeah, uh, or influence on, and. Uh, so it was. It's an English piece to me for that. Yeah, it's not set in England per se, right. but it's an all English, and they're going against French privateers that are trying to take them down. Uh, but anyway, we've talked about that movie. We have, we have a number of times. Okay. it's been a long time, but at the same time, you can go back and listen to our old archives. Master Commander has been brought up. So that was your number. That was my five. Okay, favorite is now a punt. <laughs> okay. too, too higher on my list. So all my right. four. Yes. Then is nineteen seventeen. Uh, okay. Not on your list? No, no, because once again, I try to stay away too much from that kind of stuff. From what stuff? Good uh, movies? The, the World War movies. The war movies. So I try to stay I have away from, this, from them as two. much as possible. I have two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So did I. I didn't want it to be a bunch of those. And I, 1917, I mean, mm. 1917 is the only one that's in the actual Warfront format. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, and the the uniqueness of the way they told the story that we've seen before, yeah, uh, to me is what kind of propels it onto, wow, this is really significant. Mm-hmm. It's a beautifully shot movie, you know, as we're getting an understanding of what is being asked. Yeah, yeah. The slow build up to that is from them walking out and this, they were on, on idyllically taking a nap under a tree yeah, and basking in the sunlight, yeah. enjoying their life to slowly get drawn into this. And they, from the camera's perspective, they're just descending through this trench. So the claustrophobia begins to set in for you as a viewer. Yeah. And you're in this zone of death until the very end when he is walking out and the sun comes back out and you can see the skies again. Yeah. And it's all bright. Because when they shot it, they, they kept specifically waiting for cloud cover. So there would be times where they waited the whole day and they never got cloud cover. Wow. But they wanted to have it overcast gloomy when they're out, like that that farm type of yeah. thing. Yeah. So it's always overcast, so it's dark and gloomy and dark and gloomy. They get to the end, the sun is out. You couldn't save all of them, but you saved a huge chunk. Yeah. But it's just the descent, and it draws you in. You can just feel, you can see it visually. The sides of the trenches slowly get taller and taller and taller <laughs> yeah. as they're walking. And the one, the the brother... Is leading it, and the other one is like, "Why don't we think about this?" Yeah, and they're both, they're both right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a beautifully shot, executed, acted movie. Yeah, it had been, it would be, it would have been number one on my list absolutely if I thought to put it on there. Uh, so certainly a glaring omission for me, but that is my favorite film of the year last year over Parasite. I loved Parasite. Parasite. Parasite great. was my three. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's your two? It's nineteen seventy. And what's your first? Jojo. Oh, nice. Okay, that's right. We talk- Oh, that's right. We did the list. My bad. Sorry. It's been a bit. Yeah, a lot of people I find have a lot of love for JoJo, and we're hoping it would pull an upset. Well, I, I, you knew. Yeah, you do, but. That it just didn't. Once you realized it wasn't in the conversation, that yeah. it was completely out because it had attracted the eyes it was going to attract right, right. at that point. Good point, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I love 1917. It's I've, I'm going to take Lindley at some point in the next couple of weeks to see it because she hasn't seen it. And okay. She wants to try and she wants to see Parasite badly. So that may be the first thing we do. Uh, I think the reason Parasite ended up on third on my list is because the hype, I still saw it early mm. and the hype mm. was huge. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. I maybe let the hype die down a little bit and then see it. Because mm-hmm. I think if you go into it thinking it's hands down the best movie of the year. Right. It's kind of hard for any movie to attain that status, as yeah. opposed to if you saw this without knowing anything about it, and you were blown away because this is an amazing movie. Yeah. I don't know. But at this point, it's kind of impossible, I guess. Well, she keeps that. saying, "You got. we're going. We're going. So I'm not going to resist. I can only resist for so long. <laughs> All right. So then my number four is The King's Speech. Uh, that's a punt. Okay. All right. What's number three? My three is the favorite. Okay. Uh, Still that's punt? my number two. Okay. So we can talk about it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, you're going to hate my number one. But yeah, we're going to talk about it. Sir, the favorite. Uh, what is it? Great Expectations? Yeah, yeah, totally Great Expectations. The Ethan Hawke version. <laughs> Why am I going to hate it? What we'll does see. that mean? We'll see. Uh, oh, I already know what it is. Yeah, there you go. How many Stratford-upon-Avon <laughs> movies are we going to get in one? <laughs> it's a period, damn it. I, I, yeah. I assume that one's going to make your list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was curious as to whether or not the, the rice iphons was, would make your list. Oh, yeah. I've seen the opening hour, and then I got pulled away from it. Mm-hmm. And I at the time, I was like, I can go back. Like, It's not so important that I can't just pick right back up here. Right, right, but right. But that was like six months ago. <sighs> yeah. 
What was the name of that one? Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, it's a short. Yeah. And it it ends, I believe, uh, it's conjugated in a past participle. Yeah, okay. I believe. All right. <sighs> and Reese Eifens is in this? Is that how you pronounce it? I, I, I called him Rice Eifens. No, no, Reesh? it's a... Uh, fuck, what was that called? Because it's where, you know, it's the real Shakespeare. Yeah, isn't it called Anonymous? Is it Anonymous? Yeah, it's called Anonymous. I thought it was something... Yeah. Like some sort of past tense on an action. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Anonymous. I remember that one. Yeah, it's not one of my favorites. Uh, Because Roland Emmerich did that one. There's no business he has doing a Shakespeare, a movie about Shakespeare, for fuck's sake. Anyway, um, so, okay, so three is the favorite, so that's my number two. Yes. All right. Good film, good, uh, fantastic awesome. film. Yeah, I understand the people that had uh, problems, like our friend Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, I was with it until they did that dancing, and it's like this weird hip hop dancing. Oh, the anachronistic thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, in the in the theater and sense, it's just like, yeah, that is a little bit weird part. But the other, basically, uh, a court intrigue. Yeah, about who's currying favor, and then. Once Rachel Vice kind of oversteps her bounds and her rebuke and the rise of Emma. Yeah. It's just super engaging and, and inter- interesting. Yeah. Agreed. For me, certainly, and that's what I enjoyed about it, is that it's an unusually distinct film. Uh, yes. A, and it's, you can't even say that it's a comedy of manners. It's a dark, dark comedy of manners, uh, What I, is what I would say. And um, the... I don't know the themes of power and privilege and st- status, social status, strata, that kind of stuff, yeah. and what you have to endure just to be around people of a certain level of fame or success or status. And all these individuals don't have jobs, yeah. So this becomes their entire life and world mm-hmm. is the orchestrations or mach- machinations of this crazy existence yeah. that they've all created for themselves, right? Uh, well, it's anything, isn't it? If your if your life is your job, and your job is run by someone who is like megalomaniacal or com- a complete nut or an ADD person or a passive aggressive person, you have to essentially take them stepping on your neck in a mm-hmm. figurative way just so you can exist and take the shame of it. And it's just like uh, that kind of stuff was. It's all just all there. As you're watching the movie, and no matter how cool or co- you think you are by sliding your way in there and beating someone, like you could have transported that story onto a modern day executive situation. Emma, sure, without right, a doubt. Right? Emma Stone is the up and coming executive person. Rachel Weiss is the vice president who's been there for a long time. They're the president of the company. The president of the company is a weird person who's built this whole empire, exactly. lays in bed all day, gets out, does strange shit, random, ha- has random moments of wanting shit around. Emma angles her way in there and then realizes, oh, shit, I got to eat so much crow just to have this power, just to have the status amongst other people. But I'll never reach that extra status to be seen as an equal by this person. And you're just like, wow, wow. That's so, good. Yeah. It's good. It works on so many fucking levels, man. Um, all right. My number three, then, is The Darkest Hour or Darkest Hour. Okay. Which is the, the uh, Churchill film. Yeah, dude. I mean, this I loved Oldman in it. Yes. I thought the movie was good. Yeah? 
Okay, fair. Uh, I I'm just, I love Oldman in it, and it, it just for me, it just that's what makes the movie is everything Without around him and what he does and the portrayal. And I'm just a sick fan of Winston Churchill anyway. Uh, and I get, I know people go like, well, in his past, he was racist, the Boer War stuff, all that. I get it, but I take the man as a whole, and for me as a whole, I find him as someone very interesting mm-hmm. to read about and study and analyze and uh, look at. And I, I rarely miss a Churchill movie or a Churchill special or documentary because I'm always hunting for more okay. to learn about the guy. And I thought Oldman did one of the most incredible jobs I've ever seen of anybody who's played Churchill. Uh, I like Lithgow in season one of The Crown. Um, He's uh, really good. Right? And it's surprisingly good. Yeah. Because you look at him and you go, there's no way this guy can play Churchill. And then you see him. And then, of course, you see him play Roger Ailes in Bombshell. If you haven't seen that yet, another kind of larger man type of thing. And so it just kind of works for some reason for him. Um, but in this, I just enjoyed top to bottom. And it's Joe Wright again mm-hmm. who did Sense and Center, Sensibility and Atonement. Uh, and I really enjoy what he was able to do with this movie and bring out from the performances and the story of Churchill and World War II and the Dunkirk situation, all of that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that was my three. Anyway. Uh, so my two is your punt, uh, the punt from earlier, oh, King's Speech. Okay, sure. I know you love that movie. I do. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan. The, the year it came out... I. It was one of those years where there's four or five deserving of being best picture. Yeah. When this one, I was of the opinion of they're all equal to me, but I, this one is the most unique. Right. So let's just give it to this one. Uh, you know, it's a war story, but it's not about necessarily the specific what you associate with the war. Yeah. It's the individual that when they're having the discussion of the king, in essence, gives the nation courage. Yeah. You understand it. it Individuals that never grew up with that type of figurehead, mm-hmm. president, but president is different from a king, and they're doing a transition. Now, obviously, they had the Magna Carta, so the people have had rights for a long time, right. but there was still this held-upon dignitary that was higher than everybody else uh, that they all agreed upon was royalty, and that individual could influence the courage, the bravery, yeah. the fortitude, everything that you need in this type of war, because, you know, Jerry is coming, mm-hmm. and they're... Efficient, like when he's talking about uh, the kid, one of his kids asks him, one of his daughters, yeah. you know, who is that man? They're watching a reel of Hitler. And he's like, I don't know, but he, whatever he's saying is, you know, he's very confident. Yeah. It's, like, it's what he projected. And you need to project that back in his face and to have a stutter. Yeah. And it, it was a job that you were never intended to have, but your brother abdicated because he didn't want the responsibility because he wanted to be a young asshole playboy. Right. Which I could understand that being in my young 20s if I had all that. Sure. You know, I have my own plane in a day when day and age when nobody has planes. And- well, and 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 it just wasn't done, right? So, yeah. you, uh, no how, one gives up the throne. Well, that's what I'm saying. And how could you think that it wouldn't one day happen that someone would be like, "No, I don't want the responsibility of this and the constraints of this. I want to be able to be with who I want to be with and live my life and be with this uh, married uh, or divorced or." Yeah, yeah, married woman like at the twice time. divorced. Yeah, twice woman divorced. from was. Yeah, yeah. Cleveland or Detroit or somewhere. Right, and we're seeing it happen now again with Harry and Meghan. Yeah. Like they're like, screw it, we're stepping down. We're going to go build our own life in Canada and the states, and uh, we'll occasionally visit England and do stuff with England. But we don't want the constraints of that. We don't want to deal with the prejudice and the bias that's going on towards her. And he's got every right to make a decision as he's fit. But he's not in line for the crown. Homie was in line for the crown. Guy Pierce's character in the film, Charles well, or King, whatever his name was. Yeah. Yeah, but it'd be interesting, you know, if Harry then finds himself years later in the same situation where you were never supposed to be next in line. Yeah. 
but now you're technically next in line. Could be if Charles something happens to Charles and then something happens to um, his brother. His brother, right? Yeah, to William. Yeah, very well. Could he hasn't renounced that right? Just yeah. renounced being part of the circus. Exactly. Which I, I can't blame him. The more right. you watch The Crown, you're like, what a weird world. Yeah. Because you start to identify with the understanding of like, well, the crown has to do this. Yeah. And you're like, technically, it seems like she's probably correct. Yeah, right. You're like, that's weird, man. Mm-hmm. It's know, a whole other level of existence. Yeah, when that, that coal mining town oh, goes man. under. Oh, man. And she at first is like, no, the, we show up after this. Yeah. And they're trying to tell her like, modern age, you can't anymore because everybody can see the, the damage. Right. Before, it's a story in a newspaper. But when you can see images... And you can put a face to the problem, yeah. makes it a completely different, you know, equation. You're I like, like that episode. It's a good one when she eventually succumbs to yeah. her own feelings of wanting to be there, yeah. and fighting against. Then ultimately, it's I am the crown, I am the institution. Mm-hmm. I could do what I want, just like an Elizabeth. Yeah, that's when I like that character when she finally. But that I understand why you have to build an Elizabeth to get to that. You don't get that I'd, shit overnight. I'd be curious to see what you think of if you ever see the Elizabeth sequel. I'm curious what you think. It's, Certainly more action on that one. Is it? I don't need more action. Well, I guess a, I just need more of sorry. who the character is. Yeah, that's what I mean. She embraces her role more, so there's more decisiveness, more action is what I mean. I don't mean yeah. fighting or anything. The cold-hearted yeah. calculus is what I want to see. Mm-hmm. And in no way will I look at her as being you know cruel or anything like that. She's like, right. That's the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every powerful man is a shitty person. Yeah. Just like every powerful woman is. Mm-hmm. They're not good people. No. Especially on that level, that means you've killed countless people to get that position yeah yeah or maintain it or screwed over countless people uh-huh. yeah yeah absolutely like don't get that much power without having shitload of bodies buried it's true it's very true it's very very true so yeah uh, king speech it's a dope movie <laughs> uh colin oh, firth jeffrey rush totally helena bottom carter <laughs> It is though. It is Guy Pierce. Well, this, this what I enjoy about the movie. And you talked all uh, you know about the, the. But for me, what I enjoy is the relationship. That's what yeah. brings me back. The back and forth. Their friendship, right, and the battle of how close you can get to a royal. And he gets pretty close, and then there's that scene where he gets you could be yeah, where he goes too far, where he crosses mm-hmm. that line, and homie like walks away from him. That's how easily you can be dismissed forever mm-hmm. from a royal's life and you're just like wow exactly like, you came to me you came to my Cut house. dry you begged me to be, help you and then the second i get close to the reasons for why you're failing at this and really mm-hmm. calling you out on it you want to dismiss me and yeah and and toss me out you know i, that was, I thought it was a great scene um but when it comes back around yeah, yeah. And the the genuine yes, when he was like, this is basically one of the few friends he had for the rest of his life. Yeah, because he was just he. I mean, how could Jeffrey Rush's character not love the bump and pay and the bump and prestige? Of course, of course. But he genuinely liked the man. You could tell that there was a kinship yeah. between the two of them that yeah. was honest, at least as the actors portrayed it. But given the fact that these men were in each other's lives in yeah. close orbit for the rest of their lives, it's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the interaction. Yeah, but he's so treasonous, and he's got that weird lisp on top of stutter on top of specific, you know, mid-Atlantic inflection, whatever the fuck that is. Yeah, uh, his accent. Yeah, and the, the falling out. But I, I even love Timothy Spallin as as Churchill. You know, I had a yeah. speech impediment when I was <laughs> exactly. Young. 
That's about as much as I could take of Spall's yeah. Churchill. And I love Timothy Spall. He's in my number one movie. <laughs> he's great. Yeah. He is great. He's always great. But that one was like, mm. And I'm glad he lost the weight, but it has taken oh, an adjustment. Man. It's weird to see yeah, him Yeah, it's now. much healthier. Good for you, man. Yeah, yeah. But it's weird to see him now, man. He's just used to one thing. Mm-hmm. His kids are great actors, too. Fuck. Just like the Gleasons. They're, his kids are great actors. Or Skarsgård. His kids are great actors. I know. It must be so weird, man. Generational stuff is insane. Or Richard Harris and his kids. Because um, that other, his other kid is uh, the dude in the um, in the James, uh, not uh, the Mission Impossible movies. The the Spall's ba- kid. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Harris, Richard Harris. Okay. His son, Jared Harris, is obviously you know his kid, his yeah. son. But uh, Rafe Harris uh, is uh, the guy you see in the Mission Impossible movies as the villain. The guy who he talks like this. He's got a little. It sounds like this when I'm he speaks. Trouble. Okay, picture, and I, I can pull it up. If you saw a twenty, if you saw that first night trailer or the Green Knight trailer, he's King Arthur in that thing. He's fantastic. But it's an interesting, interesting actor. He's King Arthur because there's the Dev Patel. Yeah, that's the one. Green yeah. Knight. This is a. Is it Rafe Harris or what Harris is it? Um. Give it to me on IMDb. Nope, gonna have to go there, motherfucker. Looking up, Green Knight. Here we go. Dev Patel, Alicia yep. Vikander, and. Sean Harris. Sean Harris, that's it, Sean Harris. Yeah, he's yeah. the dude that's uh, in the, the King. Yes. He's the villain in The King. Oh, right, he's the villain in The King, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he is in Prometheus. Yes, he is in Prometheus, he's one of the scientists, right. So yeah. He's the geologist that his pups, and then suddenly doesn't know how to read the map <laughs> on the fucking thing that he created. That movie is so frustrating, and yet I... It is. I enjoy it. It's conveniently frustrating. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, yeah. So right there. All right. So two. I already said was my was the favorite. Your two was the King punk. Speech. King Speech. So what's your one? One is Topsy Turvy. Oh, great choice, man. Uh, I've since watched Fuck, it. Fuck! I should have put that on my list. I know it, it's as soon as we oh. said this, and I was like, you know what? Here's another excuse to talk about Topsy Turvy. I've since watched it Damn. like three times since yep. the last time I managed to force it onto a list. Yep. Uh, no, that goes on my list. I'm kicking something off. Dude, um, I love Topsy Turvy. I'm kicking off Pride Every time I see it, I love it even more. Yeah, it's such a great film. It is. Shit. Gorgeous cast. It's, uh, I mean, such a stellar ensemble. You feel like you know Damn all it. these people. Yep. And there's so many different actors and producers, directors. Mm. Andy Serkis has a small part yeah. as a choreographer, yeah. but it's a distinct part. You remember that. But Timothy Spall. Yes. And the one dude that's, uh, he was on Rome, but he's in Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, Red Kevin McKidd. There you go. Yeah. The two of them are just great together. Right. And there's just one after another. Awesome performances across the board. Yeah. Gilbert and Sullivan are fantastic. They are. Jim, Jim Broadbent and yeah. uh, I can't remember the other individual's name. Yeah, he'll show up every once in a while on something and you're just like, oh, I always remember a Topsy Turvy when I ever see that a guy show up in anything. Yeah. You know, because he's so good in that movie. And, uh, of course, the the wife of Jim Broadbent is the sister in Phantom Threat, Leslie yes. Manville. Yeah. yeah. She's fantastic in that as well. And all that they go through p- putting on the Mikado. And that whole journey, you're just like, man, this is a fascinating... And it's a long film. It's not a short film. No, it's a, but it flies by. It does. It does. Because you have the all these... And then you have to go to the actresses, and the one actress has the kid. Yes. And she's always talking about, right. like, basically she can't find somebody else, and you're drawn into this. And then there's the other actress that's right. her roommate, right. or, or, or dressing roommate. And they pair them off, and you just get to go into these little worlds, and 
the context of this overall world. Yeah. Like when they all stand up for Timothy Spall because his song got cut. Yeah, that was such a great it scene. It is. And he walks in and he's like, I have no idea what's going on, sir. Yeah. And they're all fighting for it. It's one of the chorus men yeah. that stands up and says something first. I think it's on the stairs, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's an interior stairwell that's uh, one of those open in the middle and yeah. everybody can see each other. I love that scene, man. Because he says, he says, did you put them up to this? He goes, I have no idea what's going yeah. on. And he tells him, oh, all right, we'll keep the song. Boom. It's great. Great stuff, man. Yeah, shit. All right. All right. I have to adjust my list, I guess, at some point. So, all right. And your number one is? Is Shakespeare in Love, of yes. course. Yes. Uh, I love that film. I've talked about it a million times on the show, so I don't know how much more I can say. Paltrow is great. Joseph Fiennes is great. The film, for whatever reason, still speaks volumes to me. Always lifts up my spirits. Always lifts up. I could be in the most depressed place. I put in Shakespeare in Love, and for whatever reason, just picks up my spirits. I love the idea of young love in the movie. I love the idea of the fact that it's a tragic love because it cannot come to be. Uh, And the performances, Colin Firth, Judy Dench is, of course, fantastic as Queen Elizabeth. All of it all around. I just thoroughly enjoy the film um, uh, because it's not just a throwaway uh, rom-com. There's a lot that is in that film. And Jeffrey Rush is fantastic. Ben Affleck even works in the damn film, which was surprising to me. Broadbent also in this. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Tom Wilkinson is in this as well as the guy. Anyway, I've talked about it a million times. It's a fantastic film. It won Best Picture. What else can I say? Um, All right. In a a decision I don't agree with to this day. I know you don't. A lot of people don't. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, that's our uh, separate uh, 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 list there for top 10 period films. Um, I guess I'll have to throw Topsy Turvy onto my list somewhere. So, uh, yeah, depending on where you put that, yeah. We've got. Where do you have King's Speech? Uh, I have it at four. I'll have to put Topsy Turvy right below uh, Remains of the Day. So, I'll put it at six for me. And well, I'll, I would say, and then the favorite you have where? I have the favorite at two. Oh, and you have King's Speech at three? Yeah. Well, King's Speech now is at four. Darkest Hour is at three. Okay, so then it goes the favorite, then King's Speech. Okay. All right. Uh, and then we got, what, Topsy Turvy at one six? Do we have anything else? Topsy Turvy? Nope closer than that no i don't think there's anything much that we have no we don't have anything else in common do yeah we? yeah yeah okay so topsy-turvy then yeah i'm cool with topsy-turvy being high uh what's your next highest uh number well we did shakespeare in love my number one so okay. we haven't done that one yet we have not so i'll take it that it's down lower than one all right Uh, okay, what's your next highest? Um, do we do the favorite? Oh, Darkest Hour at number three. Oh, Darkest Hour at three? Yeah. All right, that beats 1917. And then I got 17 at uh, number four. Okay. What's your next highest? It is... Uh, uh, King's Speech at four, Remains of the Day at five. Uh, I got Master and Commander, which you didn't include. I, did I haven't seen it. Remains of the Day. What do you think? What number are we at? This is for seven. Oh, that's fine. All right, fine. Get your Master and Commander. All right. That's fine. Remains of the Day? Yeah. Two left. Remains of the Day. I got Tinker Taylor at six. Okay. I have... 
at six. I had Topsy Turvy, so I guess you take that one. So what's your? I got seven prestige. Seven is uh, Mrs. Br- Her Majesty Mrs. Brown. You've seen both. Call it. Oh, prestige versus Her Majesty. It's not really fair, is it? I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know what is fair or not fair in this. Uh-huh. I hate to let you win twice. That really sucks. Prestige is a better movie? It is a better movie. Okay. I should have put the king higher. I would have put the king on there. Oh, well. Such is life. You can't have everything. You can't, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, well, we're good to go. All right, uh, uh, let's. Uh, I'm trying to get this squared away here. See, give me one second. See if I can do it. All right. Give me email to you. Let's see. If I can bang. There we go. All right. Oh, you got a drum roll. <laughs> All right. The top ten English period films. Yeah. At number ten. Uh, the Prestige. That's a little long. That was a little long. It is a little long. Okay, sorry about that. Oh, and now that you have to make you play we stupid little add? things every time. God, I hate that. All right. Yeah. At number nine. Tinker Tailor Soldier no, Spy. not working. I'll just get on the table. Sorry about that. <laughs> at number eight. Uh, the Remains of the Day. At number seven. Master and Commander. At number six. 1917. At number five. The Darkest Hour. At number four. Shakespeare in Love. At number number three. Topsy-turvy. At number two. The King's Speech. And our number one English period film is... Uh, The Favorite. There you go. The Favorite. El Favorito, as we might say in Spanish countries. All right. There you go. A lot of interesting movies that we haven't talked about before on this list and the couple that we did. Uh, but yeah, go see Emma. If you haven't seen Emma, that's the reason we're doing this list. Uh, see what you think. If you like English period films, I'm taking a you, Kristen Smith. I think she likes English period films, I would imagine. Okay. I, um, I do not know, but... <laughs> I just have a weird... Could, yeah, it could be a legitimate uh, guess, but... Um, uh, yeah, thanks to uh, uh, everybody that uh, follows us online where You can go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the top 10 show uh, with the number 10, is it not? Yes. And then, um, or if you'd like to support us over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10, we'd uh, thoroughly appreciate it. London, we're coming May 2nd to King's Place. Go to kingsplace.co.uk. Uh, pick up your tickets. They're only 30 pounds. We're doing one show that night. Doors open at 7. Uh, shows at 8. It's going to be a shitload of fun. Doing an extra long show for you guys. So go to kingsplace.co.uk and get those tickets there. And you can follow me anywhere online at Matt Nost, M-A-T-T-K-N-O-S-T. Yeah, you can follow me at The Roca Says. And please, if you'd like, please come subscribe to my YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash John Roca Says. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. Great content coming up there. So much stuff going on uh, over the next few weeks as well. So thank you so much for for everyone who's come aboard already, uh, and thank you all so much for, as Matt said, supporting the show. Uh, and we'll have—I know we're not on camera at this at this moment, but we're making—we're having meetings, and we're making—we're trying to figure out when where our next stop is. Yeah. But it is happening very soon. Yeah. Just be aware of that. Just know that's coming. Yeah. Right now we have three potentially four options on yeah. the table. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're all legitimate. It just comes down to okay, what is the most advantageous for you listening and yeah. for us to do it, so that way we can keep delivering 
all the stuff that you want to see and hear and listen to, uh, and hopefully get more you know video going for all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, exactly. But we're working on a bunch of stuff. And, and the, the plug I forgot to plug. Right. If anybody wants to listen to, uh, I've got a new podcast called Embrace the Hate. Just search for Embrace the Hate anywhere you get podcasts. You'll be able to find us. Uh, and if if there's more than one, I don't believe there is. But we got a hammer and sickle. It looks like the old Soviet flag. <laughs> you can't miss it. So please go check out Embrace the Hate. I, I we thoroughly appreciate it. There you go. All right. Well, that's uh, everything we got for you this week on the Top Ten Show. Mm-hmm.